0: Philip Schoenfeld, Editor-in-Chief of Evidence-Based GI, and today I'll be talking with Jill Deutsch, Assistant Professor of Medicine and Director of the Functional Gastrointestinal Disorders Program at Yale in their Division of Digestive Diseases. We'll be discussing our commentary, treating all the symptoms of IBSC, linaclutide significantly decreases abdominal pain, bloating, and discomfort. And this is a review of a recent phase 3B randomized control trial published in the American Journal of Gastroenterology, which was entitled efficacy of lenapetide in reducing abdominal symptoms of bloating, discomfort, and pain, a phase 3B trial using a novel abdominal scoring system. Let's get into it. You know, Dr. Deutsch, from your perspective, why is it important that linaclitide, a treatment that's been around for quite a few years, have an additional randomized control trial to demonstrate its ability to reduce bloating or abdominal discomfort or abdominal pain symptoms?
1: That's a great question and a really um, hot topic in the treatment of IBS for a lot of our patients. I think as gastroenterologists, it's really easy to treat the symptoms that are quite tangible to us, mostly constipation or fixing somebody's bowel movements, whether that's the frequency or consistency. But oftentimes um, those more nuanced symptoms of bloating, pain, and discomfort seem to kind of get lost in the weeds. Um, And so those are often the ones that are the most important to our patients initial studies that were done with linaclitide and most of the other medications, right, use these FDA predetermined endpoints towards improvement of those symptoms. But what was really interesting about this study was the patient-reported outcomes of improving um, the abdominal symptom scores for patients who took linaclitide. So it was a unique approach, and I think hopefully means a lot to our patients that we're taking into account their specific reported outcomes and how this medication was helpful.
0: Yeah, there are a couple of really key points there. As you said, it may be easy for us as gastroenterologists to focus on improving stool frequency and stool consistency. But as the recent ACG guideline on the management of IBS reported, uh, many over-the-counter therapies for IBSC, like osmotic laxatives, will improve stool frequency and stool right but not necessarily improve abdominal pain, and that's the symptom that frequently drives patients to go see a physician and certainly can be a difficult to treat symptom given the kind of medications that we have.
1: Absolutely. I think that's so important not to forget in IBS as a syndrome, right, is that it's primarily driven by the abdominal pain, and that's often the most bothersome to our patients, but as providers, that's something I think that we can easily forget about. And so having this data from uh, Dr. Chang's group is really important towards driving that point home.
0: Now you mentioned that they're using a novel scoring system here. This is a new FDA uh, approved patient reported outcome where patients report their improvement in abdominal pain or abdominal discomfort or bloating. Can you tell us a little bit more about exactly what the authors did in this study?
1: Absolutely. So the abdominal score or um, AS and what's reported in this study is a composite score of patient reported symptoms on a daily and weekly average over the course of this study. taking into account abdominal pain, abdominal bloating, and abdominal distension. Now, again, as um, lay people, so to speak, those things all sound very similar, Uh, but we know as gastroenterologists that abdominal pain is something slightly different than abdominal bloating, whereas abdominal bloating is a subjective or described phenomenon, we know that abdominal distension then is more objective phenomenon of what we can see or observe. So having a composite score of all of those um, helps us to understand more nuanced and exactly how our patients are feeling when we use medicines like linaclitide or others like it. And the abdominal score is a uh, a sub piece of the new patient reported outcome measure
0: that was talked about in this study. So this was a 12-week randomized control trial in IBSC patients where they received either 290 micrograms of lenapetide or placebo. And primarily, they completed their diary score on a scale from 0 to 10 each day to record Severity of bloating or abdominal discomfort, or abdominal pain. And then the primary endpoint was looking at what the decrease was um, in those symptoms from baseline. And, you know, they also looked at, since this was a 12 week study, whether or not patients achieved at least a two point reduction in pain from baseline. Um, for at least six out of 12 weeks, which again goes along with these complicated FDA approved endpoints. So, you know, in general, what did the results show?
1: Yeah, so the results show that linacletide at a dose of 290 micrograms daily was superior to placebo for the 12-week study period towards improvement of each component individually of the abdominal score, including abdominal pain, abdominal distension, and abdominal bloating, as well as an overall or composite abdominal score improvement or change from baseline in a statistically significant way over placebo. Okay.
0: And so, and just to clarify, I know a couple of times you said abdominal distension. I think you okay. meant abdominal discomfort. Um, Yes. I'm sorry. Which is is totally understandable. But as you said, you know, they demonstrated significant decreases in abdominal pain, in bloating, in generalized abdominal discomfort, generally about a two point mean decrease in each of those domains. And then if you looked at whether or not people had at least a two-point reduction from baseline for at least six out of 12 weeks, which the FDA had considered an important endpoint, you had about 40% responders in the lenacletide group versus about 23% in the placebo group, which is certainly doubling, almost doubling the number of responders with lenapetide compared to placebo, but also shows that uh, that you're still going to have a sizable group of patients that just don't respond well to lenapetide and may need other right. types of treatment.
1: Right. And I think that really, I mean, it drives home the point that we know about most medications that are studied for IBS is that there's a very high placebo response rate um, for a lot of these medications. But that's where... Um, allowing providers, and as you had mentioned earlier, the ACG guidelines on IBS um, published earlier this year, allows for uh, some flexibility in the treatment algorithm towards essentially serving our patient's primary goals, right? So the, this study really helps us to show that those primary goals may be well served with linacletide towards treating abdominal pain, discomfort, and bloating, uh, but that can perhaps be adjuncted with other complementary approaches, alternative approaches, um, sure. you know, modulation, and and all sorts of other really cool things that we do.
0: <laughs> sure. And this is something we've talked about before that, you know, a natural limitation of managing IBSC patients is that a single treatment does not work in everybody. And right. although lenapetide is certainly demonstrated that it is far superior to placebo, both for constipation and abdominal discomfort, um, that it still isn't going to work in everybody. And, and that's a limitation. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes to what we do in our own practices. I know for myself, really when a patient gets to me, they've already tried osmotic laxatives available over the counter. And that when Acletide's the cornerstone of my treatment, having said that, if they don't respond, then I may use a variety of different things. And, and I know you do that in your own mm-hmm. functional gastrointestinal disorders clinic. What kind of neuromodulators or complementary therapies or, or other types of treatment do you like to use in patients?
1: Yeah, I think before I even answer that question, I think it's also really important to know, like you said, you know, this one-size-fits-all approach, especially to the treatment of IBS patients, isn't necessarily the best approach. And um, unfortunately, a lot of our patients who wind up seeing us as second, third, fourth, or fifth opinions oftentimes feel discouraged that doctors have thrown their sort of typical or cornerstone regimens at them and they're still not making a ton of headway. Um, So that's where, just like you um, asked, where those complementary and alternative therapies come in. So in terms of neuromodulation, uh, for a patient who primarily is dealing with abdominal pain, Along with constipation, um, I typically favor the SNRI group, so that um, serotonin and norepinephrine approach, where duloxetine is one of my favorites that I go to, um, either by itself or alongside a medication like glenacletide, or even adjuncted with additional neuromodulator. Um, I also um, often engage many of my patients in behavioral health interventions by way of cognitive behavioral therapies or hypnotherapy, depending on what might be appropriate for them, Um, and even do all sorts of other cool things. Um, I, in a former life, was a yoga teacher, and so definitely practice the Benefits that have been studied for yoga, both the asana, meaning the poses, and the pranayama, or the breath work that goes along with uh, yoga and diaphragmatic breathing. Um, we have a couple of patients engaged in acupuncture. And then, of course, um, focus some energy as well on well-studied and validated dietary approaches towards the treatment of IBS uh, by way of things like the low FODMAP diet. I,
0: I think there. are are several really important points there to reemphasize. As you said, many gastroenterologists may feel uncomfortable u- using neuromodulators, and yet I've had a lot of favorable experiences using a neuromodulator like Duloxetine, trade name Cymbalta, usually starting at 30 milligrams a day and then upping it to 60 milligrams a day. Um, although that is off-label for IBSC, it is FDA approved for neuropathic pain. Um, I've been fortunate enough, as you said, to work with a great cognitive behavioral therapist who does specialize in taking care of patients with GI disorders and having her uh, therapy sessions with the patients, as well as guiding them to do yoga, to do breathing exercises, to do Relaxation techniques can make a big difference, and so for the people out there listening, you know this is one of the benefits you can hopefully get by referring people to a academic medical center. Um, I do want to finish up with one other point that you mentioned. So you mentioned using diets. You know, where do you think low carb diet fits in here with these kind of patients?
1: I think there's definitely a role for it in the right or sort of selected population. So um, IBS or disorders of gut-brain interaction are a really interesting space to be working in when we talk about dietary recommendations, because I think we find, or at least in my practice, I've found that a lot of people walk in the door already having tried three, four, or Mm a half a dozen different approaches or modifications to their diet. Often that's dairy-free, gluten-free, Um, no nightshades, et cetera, et cetera, um, where um, people then are already walking in the door very restricted on their diet. And so I think any diet recommendation that we make, and especially the low FODMAP diet, which can breed a very restrictive sort of um, plan, has to really be undertaken at the guidance of a skilled dietitian or nutritionist who understands that this is not just a be-all end-all approach to how people should eat, but rather is a phased approach towards working to the improvement of symptoms and then the freedom to reintroduce foods back in order to gain more control over symptoms and have an increased variety in their diet. So, in my personal practice, the way that I approach any dietary modification is ultimately to try to liberalize somebody's diet by giving them foods that are not irritating, but hopefully providing them with options that can be subbed out for those maybe bad foods um, and to give them some relief or, or more options to go out to restaurants or enjoy dinners with their family or go on vacations where they're not having to think about it so much.
0: That That is such an important Pearl there about working with a dietitian, um, and recognizing that low FODMAP diets are not bent not meant to be restrictive in right. perpetuity. That they can certainly be good for IBS patients who are suffering from a lot of bloating, and they go through a restrictive phase for about mm-hmm. four weeks. But then after that, working with the dietitian, they can add back in foods that, as I sometimes call them, are maybe medium FODMAP, not high FODMAP. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and even for for gastroenterologists out in the community, it may be worth the effort to try to find a dietitian and work with them. Although your Medicaid patients may not be able to afford a nutritionist, a lot of nutritionists or dietitians do not have high out-of-pocket fees. And the ability to have a dietitian to really spend the time working with your patient and educating them, I think is worth it if you're going to recommend a low 5-MAP diet.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's You want to make sure that you're keeping people safe um, and not breeding unfortunate new problems um, just because we don't have help.
0: All right. We always want to get the help. So, so I'll close off. I, I think our main take-home point from this data is that it really reinforces that linaclitide, as a guanylate cyclase C agonist demonstrated uh, significant reductions in abdominal pain, discomfort, and bloating versus placebo and IBSC patients. And that this is particularly important since the over-the-counter medicines we frequently use Um, may improve stool consistency and stool frequency, but not necessarily get to that abdominal pain component. So with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Deutsch for joining us today. And we'll be talking to you soon in another podcast. Thanks so much for having
1: me, Dr. Sean I appreciate it.